Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I am good, man. Finally a lull, finally a nice little break in the schedule. Uh, there's not there hasn't been 10 straight days of basketball or whatever it's been yep uh yeah it's nice to have a couple days off yep how's your bracket looking uh terrible um i have actually have two i have two brackets one's looking okay and one's looking absolutely terrible because i bet a lot on byu Mm. so yeah that didn't turn out well at all (laughs) oh yeah byu uh kind of struggled there um yeah mine's doing all right uh i think i'm in the 87th percentile so it's like you know oh, that's pretty good bad. that's pretty good it's not bad and i still have uh all my final four i believe i have no i lost texas i'm sorry I lost Texas. yeah you what oh come on man you gotta you gotta you should have consulted me there i would have told I you mean, i don't i don't trust michigan i had ellis fair, versus texas fair. in the elite eight so i was just rolling the dice out of here <laughs> man that that region that east region was just Rolling on Texas and Will Wade to get through the tournament. (laughs) Like, hopefully, Texas can do it. Uh, But yeah, I got Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston still. And Houston, we'll get to them, you know, got some lower seeds in their region. Okay. Um, So maybe they can do it. But hey, other than that, I should win my family bracket, which is all that really matters to me between my dad and my mom. Right. You got to be the smartest one in the family. My mom, my dad, and my brother. I don't know if I ever told you this, but my mom won the 2019 one. Of course. Like, handily. Sure, sure. Because my sister lives in Virginia. And so she picked Virginia to win it all. And so Virginia goes and wins it all. So there you go. I just couldn't keep up with that kind of logic. But anyways, anyways, we'll get to that. When, it comes start- to, when it comes to tournament time, like the, like in the office pools, it's always the people that don't know much or like pick the random teams to just right. like, oh yeah, the you know, somebody lives in Virginia. So I'm going to do that. Or somebody, yes. I know somebody who went to Gonzaga or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we got... Um, most of the teams uh, to talk about here. Uh, do you want to start with the losers or the winners? Uh, let's get the headliners out the way. Let's get the winners out the way. Okay, let's go winners. I like that. Um, well, there's only two, right? <laughs> yeah. Houston, Houston and Baylor. Mm-hmm. I'm missing one. I don't think I'm missing one. Uh, Houston survived uh, scare against Rutgers. Uh, we, I kind of predicted Rutgers would be a little bit of a problem. I didn't expect them to be this much of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, I thought Houston's defense worried me i don't know why i thought houston would lock up just against rutgers and i thought that's how they were going to make the final four i thought they were just going to lock everybody up right um and rutgers started scoring but then they kind of locked down late and quentin grimes kind of did his thing but what what did you see from that game because i watched about three-fourths of it probably yeah yeah you were you were uh, you had your sights set on unt villanova which we'll get to later um yeah, this one it was it was really scary at times because like uh, Rutgers really led most of the way, um, and it really looked like that type of game where Houston would chip at the lead and Rutgers would just go inside and have something to answer back with, and they really gave him trouble inside, really gave him trouble in the paint, um, but late when it needed like Houston finally started to hit from deep that was the other big uh, difference maker in this one is they finally started to go on runs um and they finally just their defense finally clicked right and that was that was the biggest thing the offensive glass which is what Houston's bread and butter is they finally started to get on the offensive glass finally started to get second chance buckets I think they won the offensive glass 16 to something they got 16 yeah, 16 to 8 
Yeah, and they outrunned them 39 to 29 as a yeah. team. So, yeah, they finally started to get the offensive glass, which I believe they're either first or second in the nation in offensive rebounds, uh, Houston is. Um, Quentin Grimes hit some big, big shots. I think he hit one at the top of the key with, like, just above two minutes to go and, like, cut it to two. And then their defense just really started to lock up and really contested things at the rim and made things, you know, took away the easy layups and the easy putbacks. And then Tremont Mark, man. Tremont Mark was Johnny on the spot. Like, that was – not a great shot attempt and he just happened to <laughs> be there for the little bunny put back um he crashed the glass i think of course on an offensive bo- on an offensive rebound like in typical houston fashion mm-hmm. he just got the perfect little touch layup and um got the and one it was man he 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 has been such a revelation for this houston team because off the bench having somebody who you know he didn't put up that much in this game except for that bucket yeah. i think he finished with eight points um but having somebody off the bench who can give you 15 any any given night has been huge and you know especially after losing uh, uh, mills earlier in the season to transfer they needed somebody to be another scoring option um in the backcourt and he's been stellar and uh, they needed him to come up in a big way in this one and luckily of course quentin grimes led the way but i mean he was uh johnny on the spot in that uh big moment yeah what did graham shoot from the field that's what i'm looking at i think right it was now. seven to 15 let me see okay so it was it was an efficient it was an efficient yeah yeah effort. yeah seven to 15 five of nine from three yeah um nine rebounds yeah he he obviously they go as far as he'll take them uh, as far as being being the guy goes um but yeah no it was yeah that was it was it was scary because like i thought rutgers I thought it was just going to be Rutgers day. Like they're, were, they're were shooting okay from three, but inside they were just getting whatever they wanted. And yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's always been probably my biggest concern with Houston. Um, besides, I mean, obviously they rotate hard, they trap so mm-hmm. they can give up some open threes. So you worry about that to an extent. And Rutgers did shoot seven to 16 from three, which is a good percentage, mm-hmm. uh, 44%. But it's always been the paint defense too, that mm-hmm. can be worrisome. Cause while, I really love Justin Gorham and I, I like a lot of their, they have a lot of weird combination four or five type guys that can, that are like six, 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 seven, six, mm-hmm. eight. The rim protection has never been the best to me. And so that's sure. maybe one of the things and they force nine steals. So that's kind of where they compensate, right? Instead of, they just don't let you get a shot up sometimes. Right. So that's the difference there. Um, but Rutgers to come out and shoot 44%. Um was concerning to me and that's going to be a concern moving forward against um who i mean they play syracuse next so i guess it's not as big of a problem considering yeah, well, that i don't know man syracuse uh, they always i uh, yeah. I, I, I could rant about syracuse so long let's get to them let's get to them let's get to them in a second let's get to them in a second but i do want to say i do want to touch on one point yeah grimes and Giroux scored 39 points of the 63 mm-hmm. for houston and I, if Marcus Sasser, who I predicted to have a breakout tournament, if Marcus Sasser can't do better than one of nine, oh, five from three in 26 minutes, they're not beating Syracuse and they're not beating anybody. Sure. Because Grimes to shoot as efficiently as he's did, Drew to shoot six of 12, mm-hmm. like those guys put up 27 shots out of your 59 and they scored a majority of your points. But where are you going to get that additional, you know? support from so sasser usually i expect him to shoot well from three didn't shoot well justin gorham on putbacks something like that 
uh, he was two of six from the field. Uh, Reggie Chaney doesn't shoot. Tremont Mark, like you said, even him, he went three of 10 from the field, but he was obviously impactful in his minutes. It's like they need something here. And I expect sure. it either to be from Sasser or I expect it to be from just this massive offensive rebound putbacks. And so that's where that's where my concern is. How many second chance points did they have here? 15 second chance points. So that's about on par. Mm-hmm. But if if we're just doing on par right now, Marcus Sasser can't go 0-5 from the field from three. Sure. So sure. that's that's what I'm kind of worried about right now at this moment. I think so. I think I mean that's that's fair. Um, I think the best thing. I don't want to say the best thing because, like, th- let's put it this way: I think this region's now wide open, especially yeah. since that um, since Illinois lost. I thought Illinois, I liked the way Houston matched up, but in a way, H- Illinois also gave uh, Houston a lot of their biggest mismatches, right? Yes. With their size inside, um, Kofi Cockburn would have been an insane, um, uh, an insane oh. mismatch for a lot of those guys, and their guard play a lot with AO would have been would have been wild. So I think them leaving opens this region wide up wide open. But you know, we mentioned Syracuse. Loyola Chicago is really insanely good. Um they have a lot of size. I think uh Crudvig is an insanely good passing big if they can get him set up in the high post. Like I think that they kind of went from one mismatch against Illinois to another one with with uh Chicago Loyola Chicago because I think they have a mixture of size and pace and so that's going to be an interesting matchup if that what is that's the one that ends up happening uh down the line so yeah no I'm uh, Sasser need they're definitely they definitely can't have Sasser um shoot this poorly if they want to come out of this region which yeah. again it's probably the best chance they have right now um for sure. so yeah for sure I'm again I just wanted to emphasize that if they're going to just play because i think drew and um grimes this is about what they're expected to do at this point right every if everybody does mm-hmm. what they're expected to do offensive rebounds 15 second chance points grimes drew combined for 39 63 points in on 30 what was it 33 percent shooting something 37 percent shooting mm-hmm. is not gonna really get it done and so let's talk about syracuse here because syracuse is unlike really any other team um I'll, I'll let you talk about it. I think it's an interesting matchup for just a bunch of reasons, but the first mm-hmm. being Houston can be susceptible to three-point uh, defense uh, struggling in that regard. And um, as we all know, Syracuse is just lighting it up from three uh, in this tournament. So um, they're 14 to 31 against West Virginia. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll let you take it away here. Look, Syracuse every year, right? They sneak into the tournament when they probably shouldn't be <laughs> and everybody forgets how to play against a two, three zone. Yeah. They shoot like 20% for some reason. Cause they forget that, Oh, you need to work the ball to the high post. All of a sudden teams forget how to work the ball to the high post. Mm-hmm. They forget how to shoot and Syracuse shoots 50% from three or whatever. And they just, I don't know. I hate Syracuse. <laughs> I hate watching Syracuse so much because it's so boring <laughs> i hate watching syracuse jim Beheim is a legend all this stuff i can't stand watching syracuse play basketball because i hate watching two three zones i hate watching two three zones oh it, i think uh bomani jones has my favorite rant on two three zones if you play zone you can't guard and so therefore <laughs> we should ban zone defense west virginia shot 37 percent San Diego State shot 35%. 
they forget how to play against his own. And it's not like, let's, let's get one thing straight. It's not like Syracuse was, this is not a good Syracuse team, right? This no, was, this was no. a team that really did squeak into the tournament. Yep. And I'm trying to think they're 37th in Ken Palm. Their defense is 86th in adjusted percentage, uh, adjusted efficiency, which is like in, in the green, technically, but like 86th Fair. in the nation for a powerhouse, a theoretical powerhouse a program. Right. A tournament team. It's not good. Like they're, let me see, their two point percentage defense is almost 50%. Like Ooh. they almost give up 50%, but for some reason they're holding teams to under 40 <laughs> in the tournament. And, and not just any team. I'm San Diego state and West Virginia are good teams. Here. Right. And it's, just it's like every, every year, every, I swear the last time this happened, I think it was like, 2017 or 2018 when it was like oh how did yeah. syracuse squeak in and then they made the elite eight or something they made the final four i think probably I think. yeah i don't know i <laughs> i can rant about syracuse specifically just syracuse and yes. this two their two three matchup zone because again you know exactly what's going to happen jim Beheim hasn't changed his defense in like 30 years nope. like you know exactly what's going to happen and for some reason no team knows how to go against it and it catches everybody off guard and all of a sudden even decent shooting teams just go dry so i can't even say that houston's gonna oh they're favored or whatever i don't know quentin grimes could go one for 17 for all i know because all because they just i don't know two or three zones just mess with people's minds or something i don't know oh i mean speaking to the weirdness syracuse had six blocks and i don't look at the syracuse team as a shot blocking team no um, <laughs> i mean especially against west virginia who either has bigs or has really good guards and mcneil right. McBride and whatnot um i i think you're pretty much right uh, i wonder if i mean at the end of the day i think it comes down to houston's defense because like you said we don't know at the offensive side of the ball if they're going to be able to push the pace if they're going to be mm-hmm. able to find the gaps if they're going to be able to shoot the ball um it would be nice if sasser had a good game but mm-hmm. we, i don't know um uh, but I, their hectic and frenetic defense can create some problems, but West Virginia is a very good defensive team as well. And Syracuse yep. just shot them out the gym basically. So um, can you slow down buddy Bayheim? Can you slow, slow down some of the other guys that, that they have on the perimeter? Um, Cause what did they, they shot against against West Virginia? They shot 14 to 31 from three. So this is a team that's going to get up 33s yeah. um, regardless. And Houston has, and they shot 15 to 27 against from three against yeah, San Diego so, State. And Houston can struggle with the three. So yeah. at some point, is it what? How is Houston going to play this? Are they, are they going to put extra emphasis on the three point line? Uh, because I don't think trying to outscore them is a great idea just because you don't know every single possession yeah. how it's going to go. It's just not consistent. And like you said, it somehow has worked, even though I'd feel better that they have four or five days to prepare for this because it's obviously shown during the regular season, whenever teams have time to prepare for Syracuse, they do better because Syracuse isn't this 28 and 0 team. They're 19 and mm-hmm. nine for God's yeah. sakes. And that's coming off of two wins. Yeah. So I think I, uh, the, the other, the other key thing is going to be the offensive glass. Cause Syracuse, I'm looking at it right now. They're not good at keeping teams off the offensive glass. They are, 340th in preventing the offense, the offensive rebounds, yeah. um, which obviously that's what that's literally Houston's yeah. bread and butter. So if they just, if Houston just gets shots up and collapses that defense and, you know, disrupts that zone that way, that's, that could be the biggest uh, ticket right there is just getting them out of their rhythm, getting the second buckets because um, 
Yeah. Again, the, the two, three zone is when you get to set up, right. Is when you get in the half court and you just make things hectic and you know, you force your opponent to just toss it around the the outside and try to work it in the, in the high post. But if you just get a shot up and then it's a free for all, like, okay, cool. Then everybody's out of rhythm. And then you can, Houston can probably get the shots they want that way off those second chance buckets. That that might be their paint touches uh, to a, to a, to a degree, right. (laughs) Uh, if you can't force it inside, just throw it up there and get the offensive rebound. Because against a zone, I mean, everybody knows zone defenses, it's harder to box out. It's harder to find the man that you're assigned to box out and all that stuff. So yep. I think I like, I think Houston will win. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like you, I don't know how it will play out. It could be an offensive shootout. It could be Houston wins this game by 20. I wouldn't be shocked either way. Um, Syracuse could come out and shoot the lights out again. And then we're you know, might not even be talking about Houston next week. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I will say if Houston can get by this, I you already talked about Loyola Chicago. I think Loyola wins that game against Oregon State. I wasn't able to watch the Oregon State-Oklahoma State game, unfortunately, because that was right after UNT and mm-hmm. Villanova. Um, either way, that's going to be really interesting. Just really interesting matchups, man. This, this region is just... I don't... Yeah, like weird. Houston's the favorite, but there are so many intriguing matchups going on here because Loyola Chicago I mean they were probably underseeded right I think it's it was unfair to that Illinois team that was really good Illinois team to get a really great a potentially top 10 um uh, Loyola Chicago team in the country um right in the second round like I thought that was kind of that was really unfair to them and you know I I really I'm really they terrify me when when it comes to them versus Houston they really terrify me because they're such, they're a team that literally gets whatever they want. They have high, low, they have three point shooting. They have a big who can run the floor and pass. They have another big off the bench who can replace them and do the same thing. Um, I think I was watching against Illinois and just watching their backdoor cuts. And I'm just like, they're getting, they got whatever they wanted. And that if they come out against um, uh, and win their game against uh, Oregon state, you said, right? Yes. Yeah. If they win against Oregon state, like, God, that Elite Eight matchup is going to be whoever it is, whether it's Syracuse or Houston. Uh, it's going to be that's going to be a tough, tough game. Yep, yep. So we'll see if Houston can do it again. I had Houston in the Final Four in my brackets, so feeling better about it now. It but yeah. but it's going to be a, a very interesting weekend here. Um, let's go to Baylor. Baylor. We were when we were recording the last podcast. Baylor was beating Wisconsin. They end up holding on to beat Wisconsin. Um, and they will play Villanova in the Sweet 16. Uh, I guess we could touch on Villanova just s- destroying UNT uh, from three. Really just uh, shot the lights out. Uh, was 9-15 from three in the first half. And there was – North Texas was up 21-13. We're, we're there at Baker's Life Stadium. We're like, okay, okay, 21-13. Mm-hmm. This is how North Texas does it, right? They, ju- they jump on you a little bit early, and then they hold on from there. And Villanova just decided – uh, they called timeout, and I, I think I heard Jay Wright say, uh, let's just never miss a shot again. And so <laughs> they went out, and they did not miss a shot again. And so they shot 9-15 from three in the first half. They go on a 34-6 to run to close the first half. Um, I mean, I was, I was telling people, I was like, even if Villanova didn't shoot the ball really well, it would have been an interesting game, but I think Villanova still would have won just because they're so versatile on offense, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially against te- a team that is not as talented as them um and they looked comfortable without gillespie finally so um yeah it was a good run for north texas uh but man sometimes you just run into a buzzsaw and that's what villanova was 
Yeah. Ironically, we were talking about how this was a good, not great Villanova team. Mm-hmm. And then they just have like one of their best shooting games. <laughs> like like season. people like it was they they weren't even shooters making shots. Uh, Archie Diacono, I think it hit one three in the entire season, comes out and hits two. Uh, Robinson <laughs> Earl comes out, hits two. Jermaine yeah. Samuels, I think, hits two. Those are their bigs. Yeah. Um, and then you just get the, the guards on top of it that we know can shoot. And then they just right. start getting comfortable. So, yeah, buzzsaw just and then of course like, like and then of course you, you know unt when you get into track meet you know unt's pressing too and mm-hmm. it was just not the, it was not the game that north texas wanted to play and i mean i mean what, what can you say they won they won their tournament game they beat a really good purdue team um you know just a disappointing and, and not even the way that they, not even that they lost it was just the disappointing way that they lost right it was like they caught a hot shooting team shooting their best that they've ever shot this year and it was just like Damn! If it, okay. if it would have just been like, you know, the the normal Villanova would have had their average game, right? They probably, yeah. like you said, they probably still would have won, but would have been a little bit better. A little bit, you would have yeah. felt a little bit better about uh, UNT's chances, but it would have been a little bit better of a watch too. Yeah, um, but hey, I mean, but hey, everything after the Purdue win was icing. I said that on plenty of times. I mean, yeah. that was all icing. I mean, really, after making the tournament, it was icing, mm-hmm. and then getting your first. NCAA tournament win of the program history that is just you know obviously a huge occasion there so right. shout out to them um and great season from them but Baylor faces this Villanova team and I'm 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 not has I'm really not that concerned uh but Villanova looks like they're comfortable without Gillespie mm-hmm. however I just can't see Archdiacono and Earl and Samuel shooting the ball as well as they did. So um, yeah. if it's only the normal shooters that shoot well for Villanova, B- Baylor's fine. And yeah. I don't, I just think their defense is too good and they're too athletic to give up anything crazy to Villanova. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm not, I, I kind of, I, I, I basically agree. Um, I think the difference here is that the difference with this Baylor team in particular is that they're kind of, the scary part about them is that they're good in any situation, right? They can, they're obviously their bread and butter will be that defense, which has really turned up um, recently uh, against Wisconsin. It was kind of in full force, but even when Wisconsin made runs, even if Villanova goes on a run, they have the shooters now to be able to contend with that. I believe they're still the best three point shooting team in the country. Um, Matthew Meyer was like insanely good against Wisconsin. Again, he made some big shots. He's able to, you know, handle the ball as well. Um, Flagler was able to hit some big shots as well. Like it was, I think that's going to be Villanova's Achilles heel is that I don't know the style of game they have to play to beat this Baylor team because I think Baylor can match them in any way, right? If it gets a track meet, if it gets slow, whatever, but yeah, I think every way that Villanova wants to play, Baylor can match it, and I think that's going to be their biggest issue. I agree. I agree. I don't. I think Baylor showed against Wisconsin what they showed in that first half spurt, um, just really what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, now asking them to do that for forty minutes is hard, especially yeah. against a veteran Wisconsin team that was playing well at that point. So a thirteen point win is perfectly fine. Does have I have no concern about that. I think they beat Villanova by ten plus. I. Um, and then after that, then they probably play the win. I mean, then they play the Arkansas of Argon- uh, the winner of Arkansas and Oral Roberts. And I'm not going to write off Oral, Oral Roberts yet. Um, I will have Arkansas as the favorite, but I think they match up perfectly fine with Arkansas. Really, I think um, they do too. I think. Uh, I guess we can talk a little bit about Tech as well with that. That's right. Yeah. Um, Arkansas. I mean, 
that was basically a clash of styles, right? Like Arkansas got going and tech tech started off really well. Yeah. Um, but once Arkansas got going, like it became a track meet. And then all of a sudden, you know, tech's really pushing. I think they settled for some pretty bad shots. Um, and eventually the numbers game went to Arkansas. They started hitting threes. They started really kicking up the tempo and yeah, I don't know. It was, it was unfortunate because, you know, I thought tech had a, I thought Tech had a really good shot to get to potentially get to Baylor um, in the Elite Eight. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was uh, Arkansas eventually. Tech's defense started to wear out and then their tempo, the tempo started to kick up. And that was, you know, that's all Arkansas needed. Yeah, Arkansas got comfortable uh, late. I mean, Tech shot 10 to 20 from three. Mm-hmm. So Arkansas's two point defense was just tremendous. Um, yeah. They got what they needed from their guards. Terrence Shannon, 20. McCuller, 15. Kyler Edwards, 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, my whole – I mean, McClung, 9 for what it's worth. That's pretty good as well. So, you get 55 points out of those four. Uh, again, it's just they didn't have a big, really. I mean, Marcus Santos Silva is a good player, but he put 5-5 five and five in 18 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Micah Peavy, you can't really ask for him a lot. He gave him zero um so then it's just like what do you have outside of those four because once arkansas got settled in then they have they have some dudes arkansas does and and i'm not saying they're deeper but you're going head to head with justin smith with moses moody jalen tate and you're just like okay now and that's why it was a close game because these are two really good teams i said that this was going to be the best matchup of the round of 32 and it pretty much was Mm -hmm. um but that arkansas defense was able to just really pack in the paint and not allow their tech bigs to do anything really so um yeah but it's it's hard to see it because i think tech had a really good chance at pulling this off um and you know oral roberts in the sweet 16 so you, you would have had a good chance moving from there but um i mean good season from texas tech i think Safe i think say. i think so i think that you look back on this team and i'm looking at their losses and it's like they only they only lost to good teams oh, yeah. like they lost. Let me looking back right now. Houston, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Baylor, West Virginia, West Virginia, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, Arkansas. Those are all their losses. Like, I think we're gonna look back at this Tech team and be like, this was a lot better than I think that we gave them credit for. Um, a lot of people than a lot of people gave them credit for because they had no disappointing losses. Like, I want to say Baylor. 8873 to Baylor was their only double digit. Okay, Houston earlier in the year. They, those they had two double digit losses and that was it. It was to potentially two of the five best teams in the country. Like, you know, I think that this was a quote unquote be- disappointing year for Tech uh just cuz their standard that Chris Beard set, but when you consider like how much they lost from last year's team, you know, that it took a while. Mac McClung obviously was a was a uh instant impact guy but it took a while for a lot of these guys to really get going they i don't know man this was a pretty good season from texas tech i think that um there's a lot of rumors about chris beard and indiana and all this things so you know we'll see where that goes i don't i think he's i think he's perfectly fine where he is i think um and that's just not me talking as the managing editor of texas basketball i think really like he has something perfectly fine to where a down season is almost making the sweet 16. I don't know. I think and that's it's like, he has to go anywhere to reach a national championship. Cause he's right. That. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I think, I think it was a good season as well. I can't complain too much, especially with the opportunity that they had and they almost made a sweet 16 off of it. So, um, sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. So, yeah. 
Uh, good season from them. Um, the only other team that was in action that we didn't cover for the last podcast was Avalon Christian, who lost to UCLA 67 to 47. And uh, UCLA just looks like a team on a mission right now. Oh, um, right. I don't think, I think I'm trying to remember if I watched how much of that game I was able to watch. I watched a, a bit of it, but then I wasn't able to watch most of it. Yeah. Um, I watched a little bit of it. It was, I mean, like, it was close in the beginning because ACU was able to, you know, make things sloppy, which is what they want to do. Um, and, you know, talent just won out in the end, right? Uh, against, again, even against Texas, like ACU was making a lot of wild shots. They didn't shoot well against Texas. They just were forcing a lot of turnovers and shooting a lot and putting up more shots. And if you're not doing that, con- if ACU wasn't doing that constantly, right, there's only so much they could really do. In they a- had to play perfectly. They had to play perfectly. They had to really muck things up. And, you know, UCLA, like you mentioned, UCLA looks really good right now. So in a straight up matchup, like, eh, you know, what, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. If, but similar to UNT, like you, you got, they got their win, right. They beat Texas. Like that is in this state, like beating Texas, <laughs> beating A&M beating, you know, though, that's the biggest um, uh, feather in the cap you can get is knocking off one of the top programs in the state. For sure. Uh, and they shot 30% from the field again, which just, you know, isn't good enough when you play these level teams. Right. I have to ask the question though, ish, um, how much worse does this win make Texas fans feel? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw a lot of on my Twitter. It was like, oh my gosh. Like UCLA only had eight turnovers for the game. Yeah. Oh like, man. Like that's, like, yeah. That's like, got to make them feel terrible. And, and UCLA didn't even have as much time to prepare, prepare as Texas did. I'm going to hold on. I want to bring up another stat to probably make them feel worse. Hold oh on, man. Let me see but I, that's, I saw a lot of, I'm comparing uh, box scores right text. now. Oh, okay. Bad. Do you want to? An... <laughs> oh no. Okay. I just I just laughed because when you said t- talent won out, I was like, it should have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it's it should like, yeah. go. It's basketball, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, um, so you know, t- so we talked about the shooting percentages, right, from U- ACU in Texas. So ACU shot. This is against Texas, right? ACU shot 29.9% from the, from, uh, from the field against Texas. Texas shot 45%, right? We talked about that discrepancy. Do you know how you know how much ACU shot against UCLA? From the field? Yeah. I do, I, I'm not going to look. No. 29.8. They only shot 0.1% worse against UCLA. Do you know how much UCLA, do you know how uh, well UCLA, UCLA shot from the floor? It was in the 40s. 46%. They shot 1% better than Texas. And they beat them by 20. Texas was, shot 1% worse and lost by one. What was the shot discrepancy? It was 57 to 58. So there you go. If you don't turn the ball over, guess what? They can't get more shots than you. And you're more talented, so you're going to make more shots than them. You're going to make more shots. Yes, it was – yeah, ACU had 57 shots to UCLA's 58, and they uh, ACU made 17 to UCLA's 27. So literally, quite literally the same percentages of offense and a a 21-point swing in the other direction. And this is a UCLA team that had to play a play-in game. Yeah, yeah. 
Texas and is a close playing game. Yeah, I've got a close playing game. Um, and Texas is a three seed, and we all know what Texas was. But I just wanted to ask the question to, to fuel the fire a little bit. Um, you oh know, man, right I actually game. did not see that percent, those shooting percentages for the UCLA game. So that makes that so much more worse. That's all right. That's all right, Texas. You you lost to five foot seven Damian Daniels. You know, <laughs> Cole, Joe, Joe Pleasant, Reggie Miller, Corian Mason. Let's give these guys their credit. Arion Simmons, Makai Morris, Tobias Cameron, and Clay Gaiman. Man. ACU, man. That, that is a fun team. That is a fun team. How many of those guys are back? I know they lose Corian Mason, Reggie Miller. Uh, I think Cole as well. I think they lose basically almost their starting five. But yeah. that is, a, I think Daniels is back, so that's something. But, man, that is a that's a fun team. I'm going to miss that ACU team. That's yeah. uh Yep, I'm interested I'm glad to see they what Goldman does there uh, in, in, for years to come. Oh, Pleasant's back. So they got Daniels and Pleasant. They'll be back. Um, but they lose so they Cole, Corian Mason, and Reggie Miller. So they'll lose those guys. But, yeah, they got some bench guys back too. That'll be fun. Yeah, Golding's got something going there. He's, uh, that, defense is, that defensive system in particular is something pretty serious. So I'm curious. I'm curious if he gets some phone calls. I would think so. Because, like, that's their third straight 20-win season, um, second NCAA berth in two years, in three years. Um, he's 45. I'd be, I'm curious if you get some phone calls because that, 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 that defense and a lot of their metrics should be enticing to a lot of teams. So yeah. I hope he stays because I would love to see what he does, you know, with a kind of a little bit of a rebuild. Yeah. Um, but – who knows? I would not be surprised if he has a bigger job in the pipeline. Yep. Um, I mean, I don't want to throw anything out there, man, but UTSA could be. I feel like that'd be interesting. You know what? Yeah, it's about that time for to start having some dialogues about Steve Henson, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's been it's been time. I mean, we gave him the years with Jackson and Wallace, so you know, you gave him that time. But uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, that was just the first team that popped up in Texas. I was thinking in. Sure, sure. No, that's fair. I mean, he is he's from Wichita Falls, so he it. You would hope that he would uh, some a Texas program would kind of hope to latch yep. onto that, but yep, for sure. Uh, what times Baylor play? Baylor plays on Saturday at nine, and I know the other game is Houston plays on Saturday as well. Saturday at no Baylor plays at I'm seeing four four fifteen. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. Okay, you're, I mean I'm gonna go with you because I had that in my notes, so I'm probably wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, I do not know what time Houston plays at. Let me see. I just had it up. Oh, here we go. Houston plays at eight at nine o'clock. So that was the nine o'clock game. I'm okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I got those two confused. Houston plays Syracuse at nine o'clock on Saturday. Both those games are on Saturday. And yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I think, like I said, I like both of them to win mm-hmm. a lot better than Baylor. Uh, but if they both you know the path is there like you said the path is there for both of them to make the final four and play each other in the final four which would be incredible as a texas podcast please let that happen that'd be so much fun man that'd be oh please yeah and couldn't get the tech versus uh, versus baylor matchup but we'll we'll take tech or we'll take baylor versus houston so yeah all right that's all we have for y'all today uh we appreciate y'all listening leave us a five-star rating and review on apple podcast uh texas 24 is just type that into the search bar uh follow us on twitter at dct basketball uh ishmael r johnson and matthew bruni underscore and check out all the content at texasbasketball.com uh we 
post there uh, with adjusting stuff, especially if you go listen to our women's podcast, which we just did as well. So we have both of those up on the page. Um, and yeah, leave us a five-star rating review. I can't emphasize that enough, but thank you and send it to your friends, man. You know, we're trying to get, get this listenership up because we're still early in the, yep. in the process here, but still March working. is upon us and we will talk to y'all later. See you.